This week on the OneCast, we dive into what makes a professional fisherman. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. What is going on, OneCast fans? Back here in the studio recording episode 21. Ooh. Uh, yeah, 21. 21. 21 weeks we've been messing around in here uh, recording us talking about fishing. Uh, as always, Pete, I got Ben and Trey here with me. We're the, the OneCast crew. If this is your first time listening, we appreciate you. Uh, for all of our other listeners, uh, we appreciate you all coming back week after week to listen to us run our traps. So as always, you know, we kick it off with that shameless plug for OneCast Fishing. Head over to OneCastFishing.com. Check out the snagless line of jigs, uh, weedless neds, long neck hooks, and use the code the OneCast, all one word, to save 10% off your order. Uh, we appreciate all of you that have used that code. has been getting used a fair bit. Uh, we're getting the jigs out there, uh, the snagless uh there are the weedless uh, neds and also the long neck hooks have been catching some giants. So we should mm-hmm. should be posting some pictures up here on, on our socials if we haven't yet. I haven't had much time on social media. But, yeah, the, um, the last ones I sent you and the email we got from um, from Teresa. I mean, those are some stud she had in her mm-hmm. kayak. Oh yeah, uh, I haven't I haven't put that up yet because I'm gonna wait till I get back from Florida here in a few days. So that way. It should be a good run on the hooks. I want to be here to package up and, and be able to do that. Yeah. But. If you can't tell, uh, Ben sounds like he was just coming from a Slipknot concert, but uh, he's been a little under the weather. So we, we're we glad that you're feeling a little bit better now and stuff like that. But uh, hopefully your your voice clears up for, for the next one. I kind of like it, though. You got like a deeper <laughs> voice going on. I, <laughs> it, I, I do not like it. Uh, I have been, I've been pretty much out for the last week and a few days. I've just laid around, haven't done anything. And actually... I haven't paid a lot of attention to what's going on in the fishing world. And so I get here and I hear all the news. That's what we're going to talk about today. I was like, oh, what what did people say? Yeah. yeah. No. So say what? Before we get into all that, because there's going to be some opinions and there's going to be there's going to be some stuff. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about us. So Trey, as everybody, we've talked about a few episodes, fishing the Piedmont Bath Classic or the PBC. You fish gassing on Saturday. How'd that go, Trey? Man, it it was uh, it was definitely a grind. I sound like every angler on stage. Oh, it was a grind. You know, practice was terrible. Here's the reality: <laughs> I haven't touched the lake in over three years. Uh, it was a cool event, man. Like a couple hours away from where we live, and uh, you know, it's got a lot of spotted bass in that lake, which I totally forgot about until I got tipped off with some some fish schooling but um went up there without my fishing partner he was down in hartwell fishing a a veterans event and uh i was like man my goal is to catch five so we blasted off i I picked an area rather than a spot because i didn't have a spot um ended up losing a couple key largemouth in the morning on frogs and then uh then they started blowing up and i was like wait a minute there's spotted bass in this lake. Yeah. I only need five 14 inch spotted bass. Like how hard can that be? And, uh, it was challenging. I didn't have, (laughs) and Gaston is, is a little behind, uh, the lakes here in the Piedmont region. They are still in, in full spawn. I believe they're in full spawn. I saw a ton of fish on the bed, but, uh, grabbed a couple 14 inch two 15 and a half inch spotted bass, off a uh, off a swim bait in the or I'm sorry off a pop R, and then went largemouth fishing after I caught about I don't know sixty little twelve inch spots. I even called the tournament director too. I was like, hey, wait a minute, Alabama spotted bass. I checked their peduncle. You know, like they are definitely invasive. <laughs> and uh, he was like, nah, man, they got to be fourteen inches. I was like, well, wait a minute, it's twelve inch limit. But for the PBC trail, it's all fourteen it's all inches. 14, yep. Um, and then I even asked, I was like, well, can I just take them out? But it it, it wouldn't have been a good look to show up at the, you know, the weigh in with like thirty spotted bass. And no, that's a great look because you're that's what I the know. state that's what the states want you to do. I know, I know. I'm and telling I, Corey on you. I really, <laughs> I really wanted to rip them out of there. Not that it would have probably put a dent in anything, but still. Um, so went largemouth fishing after that, after they slowed down, caught a couple, uh, and this is where forward facing sonar really helped me out in this tournament. And it hasn't all year, but I saw some fish suspending on docks after the sun came up and I, I whipped a weightless worm underneath there and I was able to catch one. And then I went back spotted bass fishing to see if I could get more and didn't have any luck. And then I caught another largemouth. So I'm sitting on four fish and I'm like, all right. 
It's rolling around 12 o'clock, 1230, one o'clock. And I'm like, I got to, I got to get five. And I sat there for about 45 minutes fishing for a male and a female off a of bed. And they were spawning in like four feet of water there. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty hard. But anyways, I made the decision. And I just kept thinking in my head, like, dude, you can't give up on this. Like, go back. You know where the fish are at. You know, you just need five because this was a points race thing for me. And uh, went back second cast of that spotted bass thing and and our uh, location and caught a two and three quarter in, or two and three quarter pound spot. Boat flipped it, uh, packed my rods up, called the tournament director, said I'm coming away in, and I weighed a whopping point eight eight point three one pounds in. But the cool thing about it is is um, we went from seventh to fifth in the point standings uh, out of 166 that are registered all of them are definitely not fishing but for me it's about that consistency and and it was a good tournament so i made the trek back home and and turned around and uh took a a podcaster out fishing the next morning on some schooling fish so it was pretty cool yeah yeah they're spawning everywhere anybody anybody fishing to piedmont region you can catch fish on beds anywhere Mm -hmm. on any of these lakes right now uh we fished uh, a little canine uh like canine dog benefit tournament uh on tillery with a, with our buddy mike on saturday and that we just bed fished all day really we caught a few between beds and we were looking off docks and stuff on shaky heads we, i mean we caught a lot of fish but uh, we just needed one more big bite i think we ended up third uh we had 11 pounds or something like that and mm-hmm. i think 13 won it man that's um, um just that's, needed one more good one but those fish it's a little slow this year because usually tillery used to the bragg bass bushes used to go there every year in may Typically the first week of May, and you might see one or two left on a bed, but typically mm. it's all. So things must be a little little farther behind most places yeah. this time of year. Yeah. I, I wish I have not really been out fishing, obviously, because I've been sick. I did yeah. try to go out yesterday. I felt good. Uh, it put me down last night a little bit. I went up for about three hours, and I, I can't figure them out right now. You know, all the shallow <laughs> grass, they seem like they killed, but I sent you guys that picture, and there is coontail from 10 foot to s- four foot. Yeah. Right in the middle of the lake, and there's bait and stuff out there. I can catch a chain picker out there. I uh, finally caught a dink, you know, shallower. But, um, and I saw actually one swimming around in the pads, uh, about, about 16 inch bass or something. Yeah. That when I hit it with my bait, it just ran away. It was kind of circling, but it didn't look like it was in a bed. So I don't know what it was really doing there. But then I got too hot and came in. So I haven't quite figured it out. But I am, I'm looking forward to in a couple, well, I guess about a week or so, I'll head back to Missouri and, and, and fish Bull Shoals a couple of times, probably. Maybe I'll get out, go up the Lake of the Ozarks or Table Rock, but I'll probably end up just staying in Bull Shoals. Yeah. I know you're going down to Florida in June, right? Yeah, I'm going to go down there and fish uh, fish the Kissimmee chain um, with a uh, former MPFL guy who fishes the Toyota Series and, and some BFLs now. It's a like a veteran benefit. I think there's a lot of boats. It's like a $10,000 payout, but a lot of that money gets kicked back to a 501c3 uh, of their choosing several ones. Um, so I'm looking forward to that and I will miss an event here in North Carolina. So my partner's going to have to suck it up and fish by himself or fish with a guest. I do have to say that, did you guys see what happened on Okeechobee about a week ago? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you talking about over like 20 bags or 30 bags that were like 30 pounds yes yeah i mean scott martin i think fish finished like 22nd with 29 pounds or something like that i think i think i saw you fish with hiller or something yeah can you could you imagine doing the dirty 30 this may be some of those guys' best day ever yep not even cashing a check Mm. yeah unbelievable i mean i only saw um pictures of it on on social media but it was truly like right place right time situation on those lakes because i think you're going to start seeing it get real tough for maybe a week here when they when they do that full transition from the from the uh, spawn to the post spawn you're already starting to see like bucks and stuff move out and start schooling and it's fun but trying to catch a really big fish is tough but man they hit okeechobee at the right time and i can't believe the amount of bass that were weighed in i think people luckily are thinking that they're way further than they are yeah and i, I don't think we're gonna hit that wall like you usually do because the, the spawn between the cold fronts the high water the rain these fish are all messed up and I, I just don't think we ever had a big wave like we watched fish moving up on tillery throughout the day like they weren't there we went past it there's nothing there and all of a sudden they're there making a bed 
Um, this is crazy. It's so because remember last year, it's just that, that all them cold fronts, man. Every weekend, the temperature, yeah. the water temperature dropping four or five degrees, and it, I think it just screwed them up enough to the point that that they backed off, and then they would start to slide back up, and then bam, we got hit with another cold front. Which uh, is crazy. Jordan was eight feet high for a yeah, week, that's true. And, you know. And and last year everything was kind of delayed, but yep. when they went, they all went at once. Yeah. yeah. And this. I think exactly almost a year ago today, we were on Harris filming the Snagless Jigs, catching them offshore. Yeah, that's true. On, and they're still on beds on Harris. So there's, there, and they will, and I think you're right, Pete. I think we didn't get that massive wave like we like traditionally do. Yep. I think it's more they're sliding up gradually and sliding off because my buddy caught a six pounder off the bed today. Yeah. Uh, on Harris, but yeah, he went offshore and caught, he's still catching them. In fact, right now while we're sitting here and, uh, and I went out last night when I got home from work, I think I hit the water at four and I didn't get off the water until eight. And it took, I, I probably caught 30 fish, uh, between white perch and, and largemouth schooling. So I think you're right. I think they slid up a little bit more gradual this time. I think yeah. you're still going to see some fish on the bed in early June. I, I really so. do. Yeah, I would agree. But the I think we got that first push, Ben. Like we, we, we all saw it like, oh, it's about to go down. And then we were that second push when we got the full moon was like a week and a half later. Mm-hmm. But we also got four to seven inches of rain, depending on where you were in the region. The lakes came up, water temperatures dropped. And some a couple of lakes, they dropped almost 10 degrees right around that full moon when everything was getting ready to slide up. So I think that wave got stalled. And then they just never pushed all together. You yeah. kind of see them gradually. That I don't know, but that's what it appears to be. To it's me. funny how we try to predict it all the time, and it always changes, yeah. and we're always yeah. wrong. But yeah, so circling back around, Ben, you said you're getting ready to take a trip up to Missouri, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, ha- what just happened in Missouri? Oh yeah, up at Lake of the Ozarks, uh, Cox Watch. Cox Watch. Cox Watch. <laughs> John Cox. John Co- and that's yeah. that's Luke's thing, right? Yeah, that's yeah, Luke's yeah. thing. Uh, John Cox won the uh, uh, the Invitational up there on uh, Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, you know he he went up there and did what he likes to do. Yeah, he went up there, weighed fifty five point. Was fifty five fourteen? Fifty five fourteen. And his over best three. friend and travel partner Keith Carson finished yeah. second with fifty four thirteen. But it's interesting because so. you t- you take those two anglers who are from you know uh, the I don't know Deberry, Florida or wherever they're mm-hmm. from. And their style of fishing to be used up in, I don't know how they were fishing when they were up in Lake of the Ozarks. I'm assuming they were shallow. Well, so I would imagine, you know, I looked at the at the fishing report for Bull Shoals from last week. There's a guy there who does YouTube video pretty much every week. And, of course, Bull Shoals is a little different because the water level fluctuates so much. But I think the water temp there was close to 60. Mm-hmm. So I'd imagine Lake of the Ozarks is a couple hours north. It's about, it's probably about the same. Mm-hmm. I, I think the water is a little, not as clear as Bull Shoals. Um, and, but, and to be honest, I have never been on the lake. So I don't, you know, I've hope maybe this time I'll get up there during the one I'm back there. Maybe we'll make a run up there and I'll just check it out. But you know, it's, it's long, windy, it's Highland Reservoir, lots of, lots of boat docks type mm-hmm. of deal. So, I mean, you could, I mean, John Cox can do what he likes to do, even if even if they're not exactly like in two foot of water. I mean, you can flip and pitch and do all that type yeah. of stuff around the docks and all a little deeper stuff. Yeah. Just when you think you're going to get proven wrong, like, you know, there's a lot of local guys. Well, this is an invitational, so like it's not open to everyone. But, yep. you know, it's it's amazing when you see guys come out, you know, from the, from the southern states all the way down in Florida. They go all the way up to Missouri and they crush them um, and they have such a different fishing style. Uh, both him and Keith, Keith Carson are some of the best sight fishermen and flippers in the game. And they go up and they crush it on the Lake of the Ozarks. So that was pretty cool to see him win $80,000 and Keith Carson turn around and win fifty grand. And then they're going to go back to the MPFL and go back to the elites and stuff and, and fish those events, which are coming up soon because the elites will be on sand – or no, they'll be on Lay Lake. Lay Lake starting, starting tomorrow. tomorrow. Yep, and Lake. then the MPFL is getting ready to head to Santee Cooper, which I don't even know what Santee's doing right now. I know the elite event was a bad fishing deal, but um, we'll see you're what gonna, You're going to have – probably three people that get on fish on yeah. Santee and then it's going to be super top but, heavy. And then the bottom half of the field is going to, but who won Santee? Wasn't it Luke Palmer? Mm-hmm. Didn't he win Santee? Which one they fish first? Murray then Santee, right? Yeah. So Santee, so he won Santee, but he wasn't, he wasn't bad fishing. No, was but that's, no, no, it was it, the Santee. It wasn't most of the bed fishing. 
It wasn't like the year before where yeah. everyone on bed fish. I mean, look at Matt Robertson. I mean, his fish went away, I guess. Yeah. But I would suspect that pattern he was on, kind of offshore, if he could find grass and stuff, that it's, will be more of the pattern. I think it's going to be even more offshore than it was. I Absolutely. mean, they were fishing a lot of those like six-foot cypress trees. I think they're going to have to get out in that, which apparently is loaded with grass now and never used to be in, oh, really? in 10 to 12 foot of water. And, and I, I have a feeling those fish will be out that far by the time they get There's going to be a different tournament. You know, I watched uh, the Bass Hub last night, and they, they were talking about it a little bit, and no big event has ever gone there this late in the year, hmm. like a national-level tour. So the local stuff you look at, you'll get like, you know, and obviously with local, the numbers are a little inflated because they're guys that fish it all the time. It'll be like 28, 29 pounds, yeah. 26 pounds, 25 pounds, and the rest of the field will have pounds. like six. <laughs> yeah. So, like, they, they expect to see similar. Some people are going to find them and get on them and catch them, and it's going to be pretty top-heavy across their field. But now, are, it'll are be you, an interesting one to watch. Are you are planning to go down? Check it out. Talk At least Saturday for the final day weigh-in. Yeah, I'm going to get on. I'm, I think Trey and I were maybe thinking about going Friday, Saturday, depending on if we can yeah. get out of work and stuff. But, um, yeah, we're going to go down at least for Saturday and check it out and and uh, see what it's all about. So it'll be cool to, uh, and to that's, get to one of their And that's events. the MPFL we're talking about. So Yeah, so this episode, it'll be the, the weekend after this one comes out. They're, yep. they're going the 26th, 20 that week, so. Yeah, so this, this episode, y'all be watching on the 18th. So next weekend, we're hoping to go down and check that out. So mm-hmm. uh, you're getting a little heads up. Hopefully, there'll be some some content we'll get we'll get with some of the folks we've had on the show and uh, try to maybe arrange a few new ones. So yeah, uh, it'll be a good time. So yeah, so we're going to go down and check that out. The, the National Professional Fishing League, which are they professionals? There's I- been... There's been some drama. I call it drama. It was something that really just made me mad. And uh, I, I don't use the... the terms like gatekeeping and stuff but if gatekeeping was a thing this is what what went on and we're gonna play a clip for you here in a minute but i think first we should go around trey what what do you consider professional fisherman professional angler yeah that's a that's a great way to preface it a good question um i think a man you know anybody that does anything for a living in my mind would be a professional now the quality of their work, the output that that you see from from whatever profession they have, I will judge you and say, well, you're not really a professional carpenter because you don't know how to cut a 45. But when it comes to like professional fishing, I think there's so many different uh, I think there's so many different opinions on it. Mine is this: if you fish and you make a living doing it, you're a professional. Perfect. Ben? That's it. Uh, that's that's what it comes down for me is that if if you make your living, you pay the bills by fishing. You are a professional angler. Now now back in the day, there were two ways you could do that. You became, Just read into it. So right, right. if you make a living fishing is your income source, you, they're professional fishermen. I think we're all on the same page here. So I'll go into it a little bit more, and then we'll let you. We'll talk about what you were talking about. So whether you're an angler fishing a tour making money i know guys fishing nothing but local stuff that make six figures a year winning local tournaments mm. that's all they do that's professional fishermen social media obviously those guys are making a living fishing providing content teaching people you're professional fishermen in my eyes and guides what do we call commercial fishermen? If they don't call commercial fishermen, they're professional fishermen. They fish for a living. That's what they do, right? So all, like Trey was getting into, Ben was getting into, all those outlets are professional fishermen. Now, Ben, to what you were saying, and I'll let you elaborate, there used to be more than one path to that. Well, there, so back in the day, right, if you wanted to make a living fishing, there was really two ways you could go about doing that. One was tournament fishing. And typically on one of the pro level circuits, but as you talked about, there were there are several guys throughout the country who just fish regionally, uh, and they pay their bills that way. And the second is a guide, right? You, people guide, they 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 make they take their clients out, they get paid, and that's how they pay the bills. And but now, right in the 21st century, and, and post iPhone and, and, and YouTube and <laughs> Instagram GoPros. and TikTok, GoPros and all that. Is that right? It's opened up an entire another almost industry in the sense of content creation where you can make your living and actually maybe some of the best living mm-hmm. uh, doing that fishing. 
Um, or like you said, Pete, I guess you could be a uh, commercial fisherman too. That's that's yeah. I mean, it, we might not agree with their means and what they do, we, and I'm not going to get into that debate because that's definitely a heated one. But you're still making a living through fishing. The guys going out there catching bluefin, selling them for twenty thousand dollars a fish because they catch the right ones. They were making a living doing that. That's in my book. That's professional fishing. I I like to think about it like this. So if I'm te- if I'm coaching. Uh, little league baseball and I make a living doing it and I'm the head coach for, I don't know who's your favorite NFL team, the chiefs, the Broncos, the Broncos. Is that coach more of a coach than you coaching little league or are you both coach? I mean, if you're both getting paid, you're both paying the bills. Yeah. Coaching. You, you are literally a coach coaching a sport. I mean, yeah, because because people could take that multiple ways. Some will say no, because one you know one guy is doing it at a professional highest level with the highest athletes, but the, but the other guy who's little league is taking guys who know absolutely nothing, and the approach you have to have with your young young kids that time to to motivate them and yeah. to be a leader to get them to to get the best out of them or just teach them life lessons is very different. <laughs> but they they both have integral components. Now, that's a tough comparison because you don't hear somebody being called like a professional football coach it's like they're a coach in the nfl or they're a coach in college i think a better golf golf's a good one golf would be a good one or any any athlete in a sport outside of fishing like if you think of the nfl like that's the professional league right once you get there you're a professional that's what you do for a living the guys playing in what, what is it now the afl or whatever and you got the arena league and all, they're not making like they're doing that for a couple months out of the year and then they're going to do whatever their job is some of them are agents some of them are trainers like they're doing that out of the love it, of it, it they're not making a living you bring up a good point because go back to the you know prior to the nil thing with college right the whole thing about being amateur is that you could not you like, weren't making money you could not make money as soon as you you know you made money then you lost your eligibility for college of course that has now changed and maybe we should actually consider i mean some of these college athletes are making bank. Oh, yeah. They need to pay those student loans off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go. Well, they probably don't have student loans. Yeah. They're on yeah, scholarship. Yeah. But, uh, but, but, but exactly, right? If, if you're paying the bills, right? And, it's, and it's, it's a little bit different because the term profession, a lot of times, like in the Army, is a profession. Lawyers are a profession. Doctors, right? There's some barrier of entry um, to be able to do that. But when we apply it across all these other, you know, I'm going to use the word professions, all these other jobs, right? <laughs> yeah. That as long, as long as you're paying the bills, then, then that's what you do. That's your profession. Like it's think about when you call a plumber, you, when you're, if you're trying to do a home project you, and you screwed up, you go, I better call a professional. <laughs> there you go right there. That plumber is a profession. And I'm Dude. not downplaying plumbers, but those people like Ben said have studied and, and put the time in to be able to do that work at a high level and be an expert in their field, their profession. Does a semi truck driver look at a FedEx or UPS driver and say, you're not a professional they, truck they, driver. Uh, I know some, I know but, as a driver, but, but think about yeah, it. Like, a little bit prima but donna's. It, no, I mean, dude, it, it's, it's, it's asinine, yeah. right? It's yeah. asinine to think like your social norms are, are the reason why we're having this conversation. Like over time, the elites, Right in the, the name itself, the elites and in, in the na- the National Professional Fishing League, and we'll get into that one. And Bass Pro Tour, like those are everyone socially understands. Like that is the highest you can absolutely get. You're at the peak of the sport, but that does not mean. But they're not the only ones making. You're a not a professional. They're not the only ones making a living. You doing know, that. Kurt Warner was a daggone professional when he was playing whatever the crap that was in European football or whatever he did before he went to the NFL. Mm-hmm. He, was, yeah, yeah. he was making a living doing that. That was, you know, again, I, th- I think the best, you know, the closest other uh, profession would be, golf, right, right. would be golf, right? Because you have, right. Now you got live, but you got the PGA, you got the guys on tour and it, golf is really apropos to compare to fishing because they're, they're almost considered like independent contractors too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you got different levels and you have to qualify to get, you know, to the highest level. But if you go on YouTube now, like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of golfers who are extremely good, who make their living, Mm -hmm. um, you know, making content before that. Well, I think not only that, but look at every golf shop, every driving range, they all have a golf professional Mm that they call their golf pro. This is our pro. Yeah. 
you know, and I don't know if there's some certification process or whatever, but they're certainly not a pro because they're playing the sport on at the PGA level. They're a pro because of whatever reason they're a pro because they're experts in their field. Yeah. Right. So I think that's a great and, and coaching for golf, like is a big thing, right? Yeah. People hire coaches all the time, and these golf cultures, I mean, coaches. This is what they do for a living. They have that's all right. these clients, and this is how they pay the bills. And yeah, they are a professional. So why are we having this conversation? There was a conversation. Why don't you just play the clip? Yeah, I'm just, just going to play the clip. Play that funky music. And we're trying not to talk and, over it. So. And who's talking here, by the way? This is uh, this is Drew Cook. Uh, he's on Straycast podcast, which great podcast that you know they do yeah. a lot. Of, they do a lot of stuff. He hits these these kind of hot button items. Uh, but Drew Cook's on there, Luke Palmer, and I'm not sure who the other three are. And we'll get into that also. But um, I'm going to play the clip right now. We'll let everybody listen, and then we'll we'll talk about it. One for you, Pat. Please go. So. Uh, it's so watered down professional fishermen now. Yeah. There is a commercial that I saw the other day. I've got nothing against um, the guy, but he fishes the opens and he is on this commercial as the professional fisherman. Hmm. And uh, that's where our issue is. It should have been uh, Drew Benton. Or a Luke Palmer, or a, a Brandon Polinick, or Kevin Van Dam, or uh, you know, Swint, or somebody that was actually a professional bass fisherman. Um, but no, nobody knows. But it's great. It's because it's because too gray. You can look up. You can look his name up on on Bassmaster, and it says Opens Pro. It says the word P R O right there. I'll stop it there. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to get my soapbox out real quick. First of all, are you going to stand on it? If I had one here, I would stand on. Um, so first of all, in his own rant, he says that Bassmaster calls this guy pro. For anybody that doesn't know who he's talking about, he's talking about Ben Milliken. Two or three years ago, he did a co- uh, a commercial for Orkin, uh, and I don't know if it was on TV. I know they've they've done a bunch of internet campaigns. Uh, yeah. It actually just came back around again here recently. Yeah, I, I saw it recently. I saw it, I think, originally. Yeah. I see it on the internet, yeah. uh, on like YouTube pre-rolls. Yeah, I so I'm not sure if it was if it was that, those their campaign, whatever it was. So they brought him in, and it says Ben Milliken. I think it says professional bass angler, professional angler, whatever it is. And they're talking about calling in a pro to do the job that needs done. You wouldn't call Ben Milliken to kill your aunt, so call Orkin. <laughs> so lots of stuff going on here. So first... Number one, I'm going to just go into this. Drew Cook, I wouldn't know who he was if he wasn't in his jersey. I couldn't pick him up out of a lineup if my life depended on it. 90% of professional anglers, I couldn't. The one thing I can tell you is, for at least the last seven years, I've seen Ben Milliken's face all over everything on social media, doing his own social media stuff. Uh, I ended up jumping into his YouTube. I'm not even really a YouTube guy, but I subscribed and watched some of his stuff just because I liked the way that he was doing things. Uh, and I saw it constantly. It was always coming up on, uh, you know, on Facebook has the like thing, like, like similar to your interests or whatever it is where it pops videos up and you would watch his videos, see him on shorts. Uh, I don't think he really does TikTok, but he pops up on shorts. I, I never knew who Drew Cook was till he fished the elites, but I knew Ben Milliken was making a living fishing. Um, and there's some other guys on the podcast. You guys can go watch it. Uh, I, maybe I'll link this short in the description. I don't. I don't want to make too many people mad, or maybe I do. I don't really care. Uh, but Luke Palmer, I recognize him because he just won an event. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't know who he was. The other three dudes on there, I have no idea who they are. They're probably pros. If you are, I apologize. Maybe do a better job on social media. I don't know. But Milliken, I promise you more people saw that working commercial and knew who he was before that thing popped up than they would have if Drew Cook was on there. The only people he mentioned there that might be able to compete with Ben Milliken would be KVD or... Jimmy Houston or Bill Dance. Bill Dance or Mike Iaconelli or even BP Brandon Polinuk has a yeah. pretty big social media following. Yeah. I don't what I don't understand what makes me mad is why does he he's basically saying if you're not fishing the Bass Pro Tour the Elite, you're not professional. Then in the same sentence he's saying, but if you go on the website, it says he's an opens pro. Well, right there, BASS is saying this guy's a pro. So mm. why do you get to say he's not? I it, it just it it, it does, pissed me off. Does it grind your gears? It really did. And <laughs> I saw it the other day and it got me hot. And I didn't say anything to you guys because I wanted it to be fresh for you. Neither one of you brought it up in our chats as we're talking. So I'm like, I'm going to dump this on them. Yeah. And then driving here, I just got mad because I was thinking about it. And it's like, man, I don't, I don't get 
And I'm going to go into Randy Blockett. We're going to talk about him today, too. <laughs> because it's got, I'm going to stay on this, this in particular. But why do so many people want to do so much to divide this freaking sport and to get people against each other for no reason other than a title? Who cares? If you want to call yourself a professional bass angler, call yourself a professional bass angler. Like Trey said, if you call yourself a pro and you put some trash on YouTube and I watch it, I'm going to go, well, he might think he's a pro. Kind of like Randy Blockett, but look at what he's doing. Yeah. Like this dude doesn't know what he's doing. But you call yourself what you want. How there's no there's no school, there's no training, there's no certification that I can get to say I'm a professional angler, right? In my profession, there's a bunch of different professional designations I can get. I can go take tests. I can prove that I know what I'm doing, right? Yeah. And I can get those. Ben, you're a professional lure manufacturer, or a business owner, whatever you want to call it. Like you have mastered what you're doing. That's what you do. You're a business owner, so you're a professional. Trey has made a profession 19 plus years in the military. Like what Trey does, that's his profession. He's been trained. He's got certifications. He's proved knowledge. What What do you have to do to prove? You just got to make the elites. Like not that it's an easy task and I'm not taking anything away from anybody that's ever made it. All three of us sitting here, everybody listening would love to do that. Right. We'd sure. all love to fish on the elites. Yeah. But that doesn't make you a professional. I, I'm sorry. It just, this, I don't understand well, why it does make you a professional, but that's not the only. But that's not the only. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That single designation of being an elite series angler does not and, make you professional. And if we look at the Orkin commercial, like that, that should have been also like celebrated in the bass fishing community because it's bass fishing went mainstream. And it went non endemic again. Yeah. yeah, like there hasn't been non endemic sponsors put money forward towards anybody. Now, Drew Since Cook, Walmart, <laughs> like you could take that, right. You take that organ commercial and go to true green and say, Hey, look what they did. Would you all be interested in doing something similar? Yeah. Bug out. Like, yeah. Market yourself to a company and say, God, look, they gave me a great idea. I think I'm going <laughs> to talk to my uh, local cockroach killer and be like, yo, you, uh, yeah. I got some marketing. Pull my boat up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, like you said that people should have been celebrating saying that, man, that door opened again. Yeah. Like Not, there's an opportunity and I don't know how much money he made. It doesn't matter. Whatever that is. But to have that door open, because we talked about it with Destin when Destin was on, right? They used to get free fuel. They used to get free boats. They used to get free whatever, because all these non-endemic, like fuel especially, even though it needed, it was non-endemic sponsors. It's not fishing industry only. But they had fuel sponsors. There were cigarette companies. There were whiskey companies. You know, uh, Evan Williams sponsored a bunch of people. Like, yeah. And then all that went away because... Well, social media had something to do with it, but anglers try to blame an influx of anglers. So here we are again, grow the sport till it's time to grow the sport. I'm going to shut up now and let you two talk. Do you think there's a, you know, what he mentioned there, it should have been this guy, this guy, or this guy, or me. Do you think there's a sense of entitlement uh, there? I was just going to say that, bro. Because like when I look yeah. at it from a from a business owner perspective, and I put myself in Oregon's shoes, and I see Milliken, I mean, I don't know what he had when he originally did the commercial, but he's got a half a million subs on YouTube. His videos routinely get between 50 to 100, 150,000 views. He's well-known. He's got a great following. I mean, for you know, from a business perspective on a re, you know, return on, on investment or return on ad spend, like, Probably much better bang for your buck than yeah, than the guy sitting up there. Yeah, so <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. I think I, I absolutely believe that it sounds like a sense of entitlement, potentially driven by a sense of fear that if Milliken makes the elites, he's going to come for your lunch money. I'm not saying he's a better angler, but he is better holistically than a lot of people. He's a good fisherman and his results show it. He's great at content creation. His results show it. He's great at marketing and sales. He's a business owner in the fishing industry. So when it comes to a somebody who has pretty much everything you're looking for, for a company to dump money into and invest into, he is it. Don't be mad because you're not as good as him at the marketing side, at the sales side, at the content creation side. He's done all of it and he's yeah. proven it. So yes, it does sound like a sense of entitlement. Like, and yes, he should be applauded. That is a huge win for the industry. But again, it goes back to what Pete said. When it's time to grow the industry, you don't want to do it? Wait a minute. Yes, you should, because he just potentially opened doors for other anglers to to capture some opportunities here with other companies that maybe need 
more than just a jersey standing on stage. Because that doesn't sell boats anymore. That doesn't sell Garmin and Lowrance and all this stuff. It's the people that drive the business. We're in a people business. The it, world is in a people yeah, business. Yeah, the anglers that are selling. That's it doesn't right. matter that it's on their jersey. I, we, we've all met the people at shows or even on the on the water. And you're, you're talking to them. You go, oh, yeah, did you see so-and-so? And they're like, who's that? And you're like, well, it's on you know the elite. Well, I don't watch tournament fishing. I just come out here and do it for fun. Like that angler's not selling anything to that dude. Now anglers still play an important role in the fishing industry and being uh-huh. sponsored and having their jerseys and talking about product, yeah. but they're not as important. Like Trey brought specifically boats. They're not giving free boats out unless you're a certain, certain right. person like KVD. I'm sure. I mean, he's been around forever. He, he can sell a boat, but yeah. you don't need the other guys to sell boats because they can't keep them on the showroom floor as it is. You got to ask yourself this question. If you're sitting at, I don't know, the highest professional level, are you replaceable or not? Some anglers are absolutely replaceable, just like every single other profession that's out there. But some are very, very important to the industry. And Milliken is very important to the industry. And he's proven that. If you are a social hand grenade, when you walk on stage and you don't know how to communicate to people, to me, as a business owner, I would not want to, to invest in mm-hmm. you. Not at all. I mean, I'm just, I jumped on his Facebook real quick, Milliken Fishing, and he's got, you know, all the videos uploaded to, to Facebook. They're also averaging some of them 117. Here's an older one that's got 2 million views. Like, and he's got another 534,000 followers on Facebook. Now, I'm sure there's overlap there, people following both places, but that's still an almost, 1.2 million reach if if you don't have a ton of overlap yeah like what's what and i drew if you see this i'm not calling you out you're just on my mind right now like no you're calling them how, out well, how I mean, much reach are you providing to people to the companies you work with now obviously you're you're a stick i wouldn't want to fish against you i mean i would just to say that i'd fish against you but like excellent bed fisherman yeah like you're, no, you don't take get to that level without being an extremely extremely good but, fisherman but like there's always some luck involved too be- in right, so Milliken got in the YouTube game right when it, right when it was starting off. Yep, yep. Yeah, if he started that this today, is he probably going to have the same success? Probably not situation. No. But but I say that because, and I want to say something here that I could be completely wrong, and it, if my my memories may serve me wrong, I'm going to blame on the sickness. So correct me in the comments. <laughs> but I think Drew, this is his fourth year in the league uh, on on the elites. I think he was one of those guys who made it because everyone went to MLF. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but there were a lot of anglers that got a phone call. Well, they they took more people who they they allowed more people to qualify, right, to fill the ranks that year. Yeah, and uh, and I believe he was what, and I, I say that right because I've, I so he won last year at Santee, and I mm-hmm. think him and I forget somebody else. There were two guys they were talking about on live, who um, who have won elite tournaments. Who they yes, they deserve to be fishing among some of the best of the best. They have yeah. proven it. And they would have never made it uh, unless all those anglers left for um, BPT, right? Yeah. So, so when he talks about watering it down, I mean, they, like there are sticks all through the opens. Yeah. Like Drew, I mean, again, if I'm right, if I remember this correctly, Drew, you, you, you have like he's proven to be one of the best, and he's won a century belt at Santee. Yeah, phenomenal. He's the, second in AOI right now. Second in AOI. I mean, he, he is phenomenal angler, but again. If I remember correctly, like there was a very good chance he would have never been there if MLF hadn't come about. Now, of course, we're talking about like our definition of professional, and it was absolutely um, it was it was brought upon. This conversation is happening because of this clip. Uh, let's circle well, around. Go ahead. Well, I wanted. To, well, what were we going to bring out? Well, I, I, I had another professional you know, thing to talk about. The, the other thing to think about professionally is. How many people have been inducted into the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame that are not professional anglers or or were not inducted just because they're professionals? Tech, Look at Ike. Tech guy jumping in here. Uh, his first year was 2019, which is the year after everybody left. So everybody yeah. left after 2018, and he jumped into 20. I just don't remember if he was... Like he would have made it originally, or if, oh, yeah, if, if he was like number fifteen and he was able to jump in. But you're right. There's a lot of guys who who have done stuff outside the tournament realm, right? right who have been very important in the industry. But the other thing to think about is, you know, there's a lot of local clubs 
And it used to be, I think, with the BFLs and like smaller regional tournaments that if you had paid an entry fee that was above $1,800, $5,000, whatever, whatever the rule is, you were considered a professional, regardless of yeah. how you did, regardless if you paid your bills fishing, if you had paid you know, that high-level entry fee to fish a big-level tournament, you were not allowed to fish the, a, a club or a smaller you know, tournament. That, that's... That's in some of the that's in some of the bylaws. Some of the bylaws. So, so, Drew Cook in 2018 was ninth in the Eastern Opens uh, angle year, which he had to be top three. They took the top three. He was yeah. ninth in Eastern, and he was. I just saw him. Fifteenth. Fifteenth in uh, no, that's Drew Benton. Okay. I just saw him a minute but, ago, but he was in the twenty right there, twenty third in the Central. So no, he wouldn't have qualified normally. Yeah. Again, not taking away Drew. You want an elite series tournament? Something I would never do. Most of us sitting here are never going to do. You absolutely belong there, but to sit there and, and say that it should have been you, yeah. When it, actually it should have been one of the best content creators, one of the one of the biggest faces in in the fishing industry right now, bass fishing to be specific. No, it, it probably shouldn't have been you. And in fact, majority of the anglers that I see walk across the stage say the same thing say the same thing practice was a grind didn't have a good practice yeah then and figured something out and then but as it Milliken's doing it differently he's got his area code on his jersey with one logo he's doing something different he's he's doing it himself he's not changing who he is as a human being and he dude he worked anyways this isn't a Milliken like show but it has like created a little bit of opinions amongst us i wanted to circle back yeah let's circle back i wanted to circle back around to you know you talked about freaking oh you can only you can't enter these tournaments if you if you paid so much does that make you a pro how much you pay to be in a tournament does that make you a pro so again we talk about like everyone has their own definitions of a pro if that means you paid a whole lot of money to play the game i guess that makes me a pro too but it's just really ridiculous uh in my opinion to to sit there and say somebody like him is not professional when the reality is, is he is a professional you and know? that goes so, for it and drew we called you out here if you want to come on and talk I'll, I'll link our, our email, send us an email, hit us up on Facebook, whatever. Yeah. We'd love to have you come on and talk about it. And, and it's not an argument. It's so that you can, you can explain your side because I just don't understand it. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me because call it a gray area, call you what it wants, say it, the, the market's flooded. Nobody can blame that on anybody but professional fishermen themselves. Like if there's no clear cut designation to what it is, maybe if that needed to be something that existed, it should have been put in the sand years and years and years ago but it's not the the last thing i'll say on that topic is let me put myself in drew's shoes so from a business side of it would it make me feel like a like i'm not doing as good of a job as him and i need to step my game up so that companies like that reach out to me so that i can be put on the face of their product so i can do some marketing for them yeah what that to me, if I was in that position, I would say I need to challenge myself more in the marketing aspect and in the social media and the content creation aspect to have companies like that reach out to me and say, hey, man, like we like what you do. We like how you communicate. We like your social media footprint. We like all this stuff. We want you to come be our new face of Little Caesars Pizza. I don't know. Let's just yeah. throw it out there. So, yeah. you know, in his defense, he's probably a little jealous because he's like, dang, man, like guys at the elite level aren't even getting that. Yeah. But that sense of entitlement has no place, man. It's all on how, we, you, how hard you work. We, we've heard it from guys that have been around for a long time. Guys that have been there and, not, and then gone. Guys that have been there, gone, come back. Guys that are making their way back. Uh, Seth is a great example. Seth Fighter is a great example. You know, he made it to the elites, and when he qualified, he was like, everybody's going to come calling. Yeah. And they didn't. Yeah. And then he didn't requalify, and he had to go back through and requalify again. And obviously, he's been been there, and he's got the companies behind him now, and he proved himself. But maybe, maybe there's guys that think when they make it to that level, the company should just come to them and provide them with, with support. But- Without them proving their value to that company. But like Ben, you you have a great, from a business side, like why am I going to give you money? What are you going to do for me? Just fishing is not enough. No. What are you going to do for me? Yeah, especially if it's a non-endemic sponsor, right? Right. You, and, you think, and you think about the, I don't know if you could call them characters, but you think about the large, kind of the larger than life personalities uh, in professional bass fishing. The ones who get the, 
non-endemic sponsors, a lot of times they're not necessarily liked by their fellow anglers right. as much. Or you mm-hmm. hear rumors and things about it. And we're not going to name any names there, but there's probably some that come to mind for everybody in that everybody, regard. Everybody can probably figure out who, who some of those folks are. But, but yeah, yeah, you're right. So, so right. And right. And, and some of that is, right, they are putting a focus on themselves, right? It's kind of a catch-22, but if you don't do that, you're not going to get you're not going to get those type of deals necessarily. Right. Yeah. So, um, and speaking of not conforming mm. to the normal, right, let's talk about Pete's favorite dude. Why are we having this little conversation? Yeah, we got to bring up old Randy Blockett here. But first of all, I hate that guy with a passion. Oh, my. Don't, you shouldn't <laughs> hate anybody. I don't hate him. Uh, I think he's terrible for the sport. I think he's terrible for fishing, and I think he's doing nothing but further dividing people that don't need to be divided. That being said, he came out with a, a, a YouTube video. Today. I'm not going to play any of it. You all can go watch it because I don't even want to hear his voice right now. But basically, he is saying he doesn't understand how people can afford to fish. Uh, at some point, he made a comment that said, uh, if you can't afford college or don't go to college, you, sh- you can't afford to fish professionally. Uh, he went through all of these things. Uh, obviously, Randy doesn't have sponsor dollars coming in, probably because of stuff like that. Um, I don't know, maybe Bridgeford or somebody's yeah, paying him some money. sponsors, yeah. yeah. Whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't pay attention to him. But um, <laughs> anyway. He, he's got yeah. some animosity here. Yeah, I just, he, I feel he actually like, does pay attention to him. Yeah, I, I feel know. Like, uh, <laughs> he's living in his head rent free all the I time. Feel, I feel like guys like him, and there's a, there's I'm sure there's others out there. He's just he's the one that does a lot like Milliken has done. He does a good job of getting his content out in front of a bunch of people, right? He puts it out there, but it's so like everything is so negative. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's saying, "Hey, kid, cutting grass in the summer because you want to fish tournaments. You're never gonna you're make never it. gonna make it. You can't do it because so, so right, X, Y, and Z." Randy's got a point that is it is extremely expensive. This this sport. Uh, is not cheap, and and actually, and I, I think I mentioned this before when when MLF was trying to get us to go to Redcrest uh, as a booth there. They put out their big like media like how you know and how many people come and etc. And one of the things that that was mentioned is that uh, people who participate in bass fishing, um, their average household income was like seventy thousand dollars, which is among the hot, one of the highest for like if you compare all sports mm. right? because it is an expensive hobby. You're just talking about the boat. And if you want to compete at the highest level, you're going to need one of those expensive boats. You're going to need all the expensive graphs. You're going to need something to tow that, um, with right. All the travel and stuff. So, so it is not cheap. Um, but to say that, right. You can't fish and that you have to have money beforehand. And, and the comments on that video were absolutely that's what his judgmental and dis- disgusting about daddy's money and rich boy. I mean, we have talked to people who have, I mean, they scrape by every single penny, yep. right, to be able to to qualify for that and just to be able to do it. And I, I just don't get it. <laughs> there, there's so many success stories of folks that don't have all the money in the world. If you look at a guy like Brian Latimer. Yeah, cut grass. I mean, it's, it obviously he's had a successful business and did well, but he talks about how poor he was and everything went into entry fees and everything went into the boat. His own dad fired him from his job because he was fishing more than he was working. Hmm. Uh, and he talks about how he won. I think he won an Everstart and he got enough money to buy a walk behind lawnmower. So he went and bought that and he started cutting grass. And he so he paid his own way. Um, Matt Robertson's another dude that didn't come from anything. Power like, washing, baby. Yeah. He had he lived literally in a trailer park. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I do. I live in a trailer right now. You know, traveling for work. <laughs> Pete lives in the trailer. But like, hood. obviously, he was on the lower end of income. But he was putting all his money into being able to fish because that's what the guy wanted to do. So I guess my point is, if it's something that you want to do, you're, you're going to find a way to fund it, right? Like you're going to do what you have to do to make the money. Now, if you're one of these folks that are out there, you're maxing out credit cards, you're taking out your fifth and sixth mortgage on your house, you're putting your family at risk. You might want to reconsider what you're doing. I mean, like if you end up making it, I mean, that's a great story. I, there, there are people who do that. Oh, yeah. If you don't make it, it's going to be a tough life. I, I mean, that's what it comes down to. There's, but that's, there's that, a way to do it. But that's the risk. But it that, doesn't that mean you, that you don't belong. You have to take and you have to go all in, which is why a lot of guys have their they're entrepreneurs. They have their own businesses so that they're taking a risk by doing that. But they're, then they're able to set themselves up for their schedule to be able to, to accommodate bass fishing. But... I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're fishing a nine to five all the time, it's going to be very difficult for you to actually go out there and qualify. You're going to have to, 
step away from that job, cubicle or, or or whatever you're doing, right? Nine to five or anything. I mean, from your factory work or whatever it is, you're going to step back and, and do something different that will allow you to do that. I mean, yeah. I I listened to it, and I, there's a couple of things I'll say. First, uh, it's stupid to think that uh, your income plays a factor in your success, like how you grew up, everything like that. It boils down to choices. What kind of choices are you going to make? We don't know for the most part, if we're going to make a choice, that's going to be considered a mistake or a good choice until we make it. The only thing we can do is make a well-informed decision and hopefully it works out. So there are thousands of examples here, but how has the kayak industry exposed people getting into professional mm-hmm. fishing? How has, we've talked about it on numerous shows, but don't sit here and tell people that you're going to be a victim for the rest of your life because you can't afford to make it in the professional fishing world. That is absolutely untrue. And that's a bad narrative to send to the younger people that are trying to grow up and make something themselves. Instead, it, that's not very intuitive, in my opinion, when it comes to saying, hey, listen, like you can do pretty much anything. You can try to do anything you set your mind to. Professional angling, just like every other profession in the world, is not for everybody. The yeah. richest person in the world could try qualifying for the Bassmaster Elites or for the Bass Pro Tour or whatever, and they may not make it. It does not matter how much money they have. So it doesn't matter. It's all objective. Do you either make the points or you don't make the points? That's the that's what you're going to be able to do. Now, of course, affording your way, uh, paying your way through the elite qualifiers or through the invitationals, that's a different story. But that has nothing to do with that's not you're not a victim of the price that they you know what you're entering into. So don't sit here and say people are victims because it costs too much. Everything costs too much. I'm a victim. I wish somebody would fill my truck up every day so I could drive to work, but I got to pay for that too. So don't sit here and say that, man. Like that. If there's anything, and this is where Trey's going to get on his soapbox, if there's anything I can't stand, it's to tell people that they're a victim because things cost too much and you can't do it because it's too expensive. Bull crap. Bull crap. There's too many stories that debunk that entire narrative, and nobody needs to hear that. Hey, listen, if you have a goal to become a professional angler, then go chase your goal. And if it doesn't work out, then have a backup plan, man. Like, have a backup plan. There's plenty of opportunities out there. It doesn't mean that it's going to equal a, a, the same result, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I know that was my soapbox. Okay. Sorry, guys. Man, you got but- any soapbox you want to get on? <laughs> I mean, you guys covered it pretty well. I, th- oh. I think we've we've had enough negative. We brought our I don't want to say we brought our negative. But we brought our opinions on on stuff that's been going on. So I want to bring some positive. Couple of things. Number one, ncf1.org. Uh, I'll post it in in the description. And everything. If you have some extra money, donate. The research isn't only going to help the state of North Carolina. It's going to help the country uh, because of the different types of waters they're putting these F1 bass in. Um, if you go back and listen to our episode with Corey Oakley, if you haven't yet, we go into detail. i uh, got some other guys from the state coming on going to talk about it, guys that are heading up the, the angler side of things. Uh, I've been talking to. We're going to get them on to talk about why they started it and, and the benefits it's going to have for anglers in the long term. Another thing I want to start talking about is um, – Special Operations Bass Anglers, uh, they're friends of ours, uh, Mike Nadeau, Nick Kincaid, who when he's not fishing, you've seen him on our lives. Uh, we're going to get him in to talk about fishing Toyota Series some, because yeah. uh, he's been doing it for a couple of years. Uh, but they, they run a tournament uh, benefiting uh, Master Sergeant Mark McCowan, who who was a, uh, a special operator who was killed in a house fire. Uh, him and his daughters, he went back in the house to try to save them, and they ended up losing their lives. So they do this tournament to help benefit his family. Uh, it is it's in North Carolina. It's on Lake Norman, uh, Friday, November tenth. It's eighty dollars a boat, twenty dollar big fish, uh, so a hundred bucks. Um, you have a chance to win some money. There's a bunch of prizes. Uh, I'm going to be there fishing it. Uh, hopefully, Ben and Trey Trey can make it out. Um, it's going to be a good time. and It goes to a great cause. So I'll, I'll post a link to that flyer. Uh, and to the information on that, if you're able to make the trip down, you know, come fish Lake Norman for a couple of days. It's it's a spot lake. You can have some fun that time of year. Mm-hmm. Find find a rocky point. Take a kid. Take a kid. Go catch a bunch of spotted bass. You know, support a good cause. Uh, meet a bunch of good folks. 
like I said, I know we're going to be there. Uh, so let, let's let's interject some positivity after this this episode. You know, <laughs> we, we we got a little bit negative, but it was it was for a good reason. There's too much. There's too much in the industry right now of people trying to divide mm. uh, us versus them mentality. It's the same in the country. We're not. We don't talk politics or yeah. not. But there's a lot of us versus them in the world right now, and we don't need to be that. We're all fishermen. Race, color, creed, religion, doesn't matter. Come jump on my boat. We can go bass fishing. Trey? I, I think that, uh, well, first of all, I will jump on your bass boat, especially when the uh, frog bite starts turning up <laughs> and, and rowing out. And in that spirit, Randy, you're welcome to join us. Yeah. Randy, I'll take too. you fishing, but Randy. I'm going to make you lots go. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like we, we do not try to divide anything. I would say, let's talk, uh, we'll talk about it on another episode divide in the industry is not a good thing a good thing but dividing the leagues i think might be an okay thing because they all have their own identities so i know there's been a lot of talk like oh we shouldn't you know we shouldn't divide the industry the businesses are separate they're divided for a reason the industry is everything in totality it should come together that's what we're talking about here so Business aside, when we're talking bass fishing and integrity and bringing those things, those values to the sport that we like and that we enjoy so much, they should be growing together. But business is business. So when you're trying to grow your business, hey, you're trying to grow your business, not everyone else's business. So that's the way it is. But yeah. And the other thing, Pete, if you'd link it in there too, um, for those of you looking to support the veteran community and, and supporting a good cause for us, um, I'm the director of fishing for a 501c3 and I've said it on previous episodes, heroesharvest.org. You can go to the website, check out the uh, upcoming events. You can look at some of the previous events we hosted there is a, an opportunity if you have the means and you want to support the veteran outreach programs such as Heroes Harvest, and there's tons of 501c3s, we, uh, we take any donations from any donor out there because that's what fuels us to continue supporting these events from turkey hunting events, steelhead fishing trips in Michigan, elk hunting out west, bass fishing here in North Carolina. We're trying to expand our reach because there's way more veterans out there than there is uh, 501c3 nonprofit organizations. So head on over to that website. If you have the means, a penny will help. I promise that right now because it goes 100% towards the cause. And one last thing I want to bring up. It, it, it's, it's We're into May now. This will be the third week of May. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. It's a real thing. Do you have Mike John's organization's info? Yeah. So Can you share that real quick for any veteran struggling? Uh, we're going to share some information before we reach out to to our buddy Mike uh, and the organization he supports. And there, there's plenty of people out there to talk to. I'm sure you can message Ben or Trey. You know, they've been there. I never serve, but if you just need somebody to talk to, you're more than willing at any time of the day to shoot me a message and I'll I'll talk to you. I'll give you my dang phone number. We can talk. There's yeah. There's a way forward and we want to help with that for sure. Yeah, so Ben, uh, Pete, and myself had the privilege of meeting Mike Johns down at ICAST last year. And uh, Mike is a Purple Heart recipient. I'm not going to throw all of his stuff out there, but he served in the Army as well. And uh, he runs, he's the president and founder of uh, FX3 Incorporated, which is also a 501c3. They focus a lot on, uh, you know, getting veterans in the outdoor and a lot of suicide prevention. So if you guys are interested, head on over to FX3's website. I don't know exactly what it is right now, but he also runs a lot of veterans trips down in Florida and he has a board he has a board that has reach all throughout the the continental United States or a lot anyways and so he and I are going to be fishing that's what we talked about earlier down in June uh, or down in Florida in June rather to uh, fish a heroes event but if you guys uh, are interested in reaching out to him go to uh, fx3inc.org that takes you directly to his website it gives you the uh, contact information I won't throw his phone number out here but if you follow follow him on TikTok. If you follow him on Facebook and stuff like that, he's posting daily his phone number, the suicide awareness hotline, and uh, and you can text um, a number as well if you're if you're struggling. So don't be afraid to, to uh, reach out for help because uh, that's uh, that's something that we deal with every single day in this country, and, and we need to do our best to prevent that. So huge yeah, shot. I'll, I'll link that also in the description. Yep. Ben, what you got? I got nothing now. Well, have fun down in Florida, Ben. Yeah, yeah, I'll be down in Florida. It's literally right across from the ICAST, the convention center down there. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I don't, I'm not going to do any fishing down there. We're going to have fun, and then come back and I'll do my fishing in Missouri. Yeah, that's awesome. Interject some positivity into the into the world, into the community. 
Stephanie talked about it last week, picking up random people with a dog and offering to take them fishing. Reach out to somebody in your local group, whatever. You know, take them out and uh, and take them fishing with you. It's, it's not going to hurt anything. Uh, more than likely, they're not going to hurt you. You know, everybody just wants to get out there and do it. So uh, be the change you want to see, and we talk about it. We want to help grow the sport. We want to bring more positivity to it, and we're going to keep doing it. So appreciate you all listening. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, Spotify and iTunes, you can leave a review. It's not iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts or whatever. But you can leave a review. Leave two words. Leave one word. Tell us we're idiots. Whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, we want we want to hear from you all so we can keep getting better. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, we'll grow it one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a f***ing toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. feel like it's going to be a bad day.